0: Sweet Friday listeners, what's going on? Kenny. I'm your host. Kenny. What's up, dude? Dude, we are actually live, HI Heli Expo. 2023 Atlanta. Atlanta Convention Center. That's seems that seems. This right. is uh incredible. If you have any interest in helicopters aviation, this is the place to be right now. Yeah, I'm dude. blown away. Tell me what you did last night, dude. Oh, so we uh had Bell sponsored a nice little party for us. So we were at the aquarium. And yeah. That was that was awesome. It was so cool. Yeah whale sharks, dude. Two of them. Big ones. A lot of cool people. A lot
1: of retired coasties. Yeah. this uh, There's like a palpable excitement in the air at this uh, at this event. And I would say any coastie, uh, whether you're a maintainer, rescue swimmer, uh, pilot, you should come to the Heli Expo just to experience it. Man, it is so cool. Yeah. You got like 50, 60 helicopters in here. You got every type of extra gear you could ever put on a helicopter. They've put us front and center of the safety
0: zone, which is mind boggling. Thank you, uh, HAI. It's uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, we've got a couple of recordings lined up this morning, so really excited about that. And then I think we can go walk the uh, showroom floor and and really see what's out there. Yeah, and just uh, a quick plug
1: for um, uh, one of the flight mechs up in Humboldt, uh, Kevin Quick. He has his own uh, small company called SAR Collective. It's on Etsy. Uh, If you haven't seen this guy's stuff, he makes some really, really cool stickers. He's got a couple cool flags. Uh, He threw a bunch of swag our way, so we've got it on our table out here to pass it out to anybody's interested. So uh, for those, uh, those Coasty listeners out there who haven't checked out his stuff, uh, SAR Collective, you can find him on Etsy.
0: Uh, Kevin's a really cool dude. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I think we need to get started today. Yeah, a okay. special guest. Special um, guest. Um, Tony Hahn, retired uh, Coast Guard captain, the, the legendary Tony Hahn. So let's get into I it. Let's start it. Tony, sir, how are you? Good
2: morning. Good morning. Those sirs are long gone. Oh, yeah. yeah appreciate we're, we're it. We're in the south, though. You know, it's a sign of respect. So. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. it was
0: a uh, great run into you at the uh, aquarium last night, and uh, it was a good time. Yeah, it was a fun time. You know, there
2: was, uh, gosh, we probably had. It was like a mini reunion, right? I saw Carl Reedlin. I saw. Uh, just a whole bunch of folks And then I ran into you guys Walking there <laughs> yeah. So, And Kenny and I Were in Berinkin together And uh, had a few good times there and, Yeah
1: what was Kenny like In Berinkin? I'm actually curious to see What he
2: says about yeah. this. What but, was your opinion Of Kenny back then? Well you know I was the XO uh, So I was Mr. Popularity At, at the time. <laughs> Uh But you know We had We had We had an interesting We had a great group Of guys there for one um, But uh, you know We had uh, Kind of the you know, when I got there, what's Exo what what's the EXO's nightmare? Like just trying to run the unit, right? Oh, yeah. And everyone else is you know, so we, we kinda had a pilot core that was uh you know, just needed some nudging, you know, so by the time Kenny got there I had I got the nudging in the right <laughs> in the right areas and uh, you know, he was uh I would say he was a character, right? He he had a oh, good boy. he had a good wit. <laughs> uh we talked about this a little bit last night. The the funniest you know, this and this is an easy memory, but you know, I'm sure Kenny was behind it. But at the Hail and Farewell that we had, we had some good Hail and Farewells there, but <laughs> they stole the stand up desk out of my office <laughs> and used it as which a, was heavy,
0: by the way. Not as, that I used participated, use it,
2: it as a podium. The, D, the, the DC shop there made it out of this uh, really cool uh, Puerto Rican wood, this native Puerto Rican wood. Yeah. So was, and I gave them the design from a, a desk that I had at headquarters, so they made it. So it was really cool. And, uh, so they're doing their thing. I think I think Dusty was the uh was the MC or yeah. he had a big part of it. Yeah. Um Leon wasn't there for some reason. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> he he was- he was out doing something it, else. A hey, long story short, he and I reconnected, and, yeah. and we're in a really good place. Yeah, Leo's but, actually at yeah, yeah.
0: ATC right now doing his three week echo. Oh, good. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. Leo.
1: That's yeah. awesome. Good if to hear you, you doing good. We'll
0: again. tell the uh, the flower story later that almost <laughs> ended Leo's career. <laughs> oh, I want to hear uh, that. parobles. Well, I, I want to. hear I that. don't know if we'll have
2: time for that, but you know okay. if we do. <laughs> okay. If we do, if we do. Okay. But at the hale and farewell. Yeah. Uh, the so my last name in German means rooster, and I have a couple of different nicknames for that. You can imagine some are good, some are bad. But uh, but they brought a rooster to the uh, to the hail and farewell to participate. Just
0: running around. Tony's departing gift at the air station was, was a, a live rooster. <laughs> 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 yep. Yep. So oh, we,
2: you know, we took him home and ate him that night. It was great. Oh that, no, no, we didn't. There we go. There <laughs> we
0: the go. The other, the other funny part of that night was um, Pablo Coleman. He's flying EMS, and I think he's in Milton now. But um, yep, he was out in St. Thomas on a an rol and was trying to taxi into a tight spot and brought the tail over like the edge of the um, taxiway and just weed whacked a whole bunch of weeds with the finisher <laughs> So like Pablo was up there and there was like this awkward pause. And out comes someone with like a weed whacker, (laughs) like a gas weed whacker, like revved it up, smoked up the whole place. (laughs) And he had the, uh, what was the mask, the, uh, dang it. Anyways. Like a luchador mask or something? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Oh my god. We've we've
1: already derailed. This is perfect. Uh, uh, Tony, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Obviously uh, retired uh, from the Coast Guard, but what what was your Coast Guard career like, and where are you at now?
2: Uh, I had a great career. I I served 30 years, uh, started off in Traverse City, Flew the 60, then uh, transitioned the 65. Went to Kodiak. Flew at Alpi, Alpat for three years. Mm-hmm. EO at Houston. Uh, then the Coast Guard let me go to grad school at Colorado School of Mines. That was such oh, a sweet. such a such a bonus. It was cool. Recharged my batteries. Went to headquarters. Worked in 41. Yep. Then Exo Barinkin. Co Port Angeles. Then uh, they sent me to headquarters again. I did chief of public affairs for three years. There's, that was an interesting job for yeah, sure. It must
0: have been. Did you have any training in public affairs? Did you, one of your degrees or? Oh no! that, that, oh, that, yeah. that makes perfect <laughs> sense. That doesn't. <laughs> okay. That doesn't. That <laughs> you know. <laughs> the that, Last that checks out.
2: <laughs> last 06 standing. The assignment process. <laughs> okay. You know? So uh, you know what? You learn everything in every job you're in, and I got a real. I got a real, good. Uh, you know. I guess exposure to public fairs. I got to do a lot. It definitely helped me later on in Corpus during Harvey. I had some real exposure there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. uh but uh then after Public Fairs went to Corpus, uh air station sector commander, uh during Harvey. During Harvey, yeah. yeah. And uh and you know, got a lot of hell from all my Helo bubbles, but I went and flew the one forty four when I was there and uh <laughs> let me tell you, it was a blast. Was so it? all you know, all the you know fours lieutenants teach me how to fly this plane uh, and just it got me it it got me in a great place as a CEO right because you know being humbled and and having to learn all over again and in uh, and, and guess what in four hours on that flight, I knew more was going on at that air station than I did from, from any other, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah. after, after about the second hour, you know, they forget it's the skipper up there yeah. and I was like going, Hey, can you believe so-and-so? And you're like, and I'm like, okay. you know, I'm okay. just jotting, jotting it down. And, okay. and, but you know, I, that was kind of like, uh, actually I kind of treated that as like anonymous reporting, you know, I'd hear something and yeah. And you know, I had an awesome CMC and, uh, and he and I could could work all those issues and had a great leading chief petty officer too. And uh so but, you know, 144 was great, you know, you take off, you know, you can walk around, you can use the head, it was it was And then four after, hours later you land. Yeah, <laughs> well no, I mean we, we, we when we got to Corpus, you know, we and and I had the same kind of um I was talking to Kyde last night about this, you know, the same kind of mantra in Port Angeles, you know. We do the hard stuff. We do isn't in the daytime, guys. We we've got to own the night, whether it's, you know, night hoisting over the water. That's you know, no reference rescues from deployments. I mean, that's the hardest stuff we do, right? So, it's great to go out and you know rub the dust off in the daytime, but yeah. you got to own the night. And so we did that in Port Angeles. We did that in Corpus Christi, and you know, guess the other thing is. You know the bad guys aren't coming out. You know at nine in the morning. You yeah. know before yeah. you go hit your rol. You <laughs> know they're coming. Yeah. They're coming out in the middle of the night. So we went. We went. We went reverse. We we followed the guidance and the direction and you know in thirty seven ten obviously on how to do reverse cycle the right way and we did it and uh, wasn't popular. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it it made us very valuable the operational commander. So what was yeah. your schedule but, oh, like?
1: Our, our schedule? Yeah, like what was the night, like how late would you guys go flying?
2: Well, it depended depending on what, you know, we had a really good interface with the Intel folks. Yeah. But we would, uh, but typically uh, it could be like a 2300 sortie and then fly through the night to four or five. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yep. Okay. Or it yeah. could be, or we might launch a little bit later, early, early
0: morning. Yeah. And catch
2: the stuff you know that's coming in at dusk, you know.
0: Yeah, is that the opening ceremony, Ryan? Okay, awesome. Sorry, yeah. we jumped straight into business. Are you drinking a beer right now? I am drinking a beer. Oh uh, my gosh!
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, don't float the mainstream. I got a Sweetwater Lager. Right.
0: Uh, I said I would do it with a little bit of peer pressure and solidarity. So, you you here to, we go. You got to crack it. I'm not, into, not super excited about this. And I'm actually lowering my standards on this I think it's a good uh, early in the day uh, kind of beer. It's basically like coffee.
1: Four and a half percent. It's four and a half percent. Yeah, Skipper over there is drinking coffee, so (laughs) yeah.
2: Um, Well, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. That's right. Damn it, that's a great quote.
0: I'm uh, I'm impressed with you guys. (laughs) I'm going to use that one. (laughs) So, uh, sorry, I, I interrupted here, but
1: no, no, I was just gonna ask Tony, where are you at now? So retired?
2: Yeah, I'm retired. Uh, I finished up in 2020, and I uh, I got a job with Conoco Phillips doing aviation uh, safety and quality assurance. So we have operators throughout the world that fly. You know, our employees to different places. Right. And we go in and make sure those operators are meeting the standards we set, the guidelines we have, and, and are just doing good work. So it's so it's me. The guy brought me in the company was a guy named Jim Adams, great guy. He's been with ConocoPhillips for 50 years, and uh, uh, it's kind of I guess the best way to describe it: we we don't evaluate the actual flying, but it's kind of we look at everything else. So it's kind of like a, think of a stand visit. On the admin and the walking around side, and yep. an LCI, all kind of wrapped into one. So oh, I'm looking okay. at training, uh, currency, where they go to the simulator, and then on the maintenance side, you know, all their maintenance programs, quality assurance, tool control, how they document their maintenance, and then just an overall look at the whole the whole base where they're operating on it. So it's yeah. a it it's a it's a really cool job, and uh, gosh, my Coast Guard background it it. It's uh it really
0: prepared me well. Set you up yeah. for success. Yeah, big time, yeah. Yeah, so how much do you um, are you looking at policy and how much do you like kind of interview and talk to people and, and walk around on the hangar and in the wardrooms or whatever they call them?
2: So we get we get so much more out of not showing up with a clipboard and Okay, do you have your let me look at your drawer four of tool, you know, toolbox. No, we don't do that. We what we try and do is have the company kind of present their program to us, then that starts the conversation flow, much like what you guys are doing here, right? You know, you get the conversation going, you learn so much more by uh, walking around, seeing what is actually happening, Mm -hmm. and then clearly just just in the Coast Guard, I mean, the, you know, the people doing the work are the ones you're gonna learn the most from in terms of how how the policies and the procedures all trickle down to that action. Yeah. And so, you know, we see, we see, we see, we can benchmark against some of the, some of the best things I've ever seen and, you know, and just the opposite, you know, things, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've turned down companies
0: to, to fly our people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just based off of your recommendation, I'm assuming of, of,
2: that's yeah, a recommendation. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but we, you know, <clears throat> great thing about the job is a huge empowerment, right? our our boss you know asks us to go out and do these things we present a recommendation and uh and you know and it's 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 based on really good substantiation so uh so you know basically our recommendation is how it comes down yeah how often are you uh traveling and, and where are you going gosh man i that's the coolest thing about the job i i don't i think once we get the full steady state post-pandemic. I think probably a good number would be about half the year, maybe 180 to 200 days a year, maybe, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conoco used to be in quite a few other com- uh, countries. Uh, our footprint is not as big, but we're still really busy. So, a lot a lot of domestic travel. Places I've been uh, for international Norway, you know, our biggest helicopter offshore operation is in the Ecofisk okay. uh, yeah. wow. and the North Sea. So, and we, we have a couple helicopter operators that move our people there. Uh, huge passenger moves in, in the tens of thousands a year. You wow. Know, that, you know, so th- and you know, you've know you seen some of the big offshore oil platforms in the Gulf of Mexico, I'm sure. These are the the, the one that we have, the one major one we have in Norway. Oh, it's a small city. It's unbelievable. You it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, are you flying for them? I did a little bit. When I first came in, I got a type rating in the Q400. It's a De Havilland DHC-8. And that okay. means it's an airplane. It's, or, yeah. Or okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wings, props. Okay. Okay. Uh, got it. And tracking. Uh, we fly those. Uh, that's organically. We fly those in Anchorage to the North Slope to a couple of our different camps up there, and uh, okay. it's a great aircraft. Uh, can land on gravel, and uh, you know, but it's it's varsity flying, and the guys we have flying that aircraft are amazing. You know, so I. Flew that for a little bit, but but over time I realized, you know, uh, hey, what's when is flying funnest? When you're at your peak. At your peak, yeah. When you're proficient. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. When you when you when you're not proficient, it's a lot of work, and I don't think you're serving. You know, we've all flown with people who are non-proficient, but but think they can cash the checks. You know, based on yeah. their experience, that might work sometime. Like. Like, I'd feel really comfortable getting a helicopter and getting proficient, but in fixed wing, I, did, I only had three years in Corpus, flew a different aircraft, and now I'm in a brand new airframe. So, so it wasn't as fun because I wasn't proficient. Yeah. And it was hard to balance the time between my quality assurance role and, and the flying piece. So, um, So I don't do it anymore, but it was, you know, it was yeah. a. It was a it was a kick in the pants. It was fun. Yeah, yeah it was like fun. I remember
0: showing up for flights sometimes and being like, "I am not proficient, and it is no one's fault but mine." And that's that's the worst feeling when you're like, "I I'm not ready. I should have looked at checklists or an EP or, yep. man, I should have looked into where we're flying. I didn't check notams or something, and it's not a good feeling."
2: Yeah, you know, you know it it was uh, it was something personally. I I always knew kind of like, okay, I. Especially on the night side, like here's about my personal limit. If in, as a pilot, you know, when I wasn't really, you know, I didn't have control of my, you know, how I was getting scheduled. But I would go in, I'd say, hey, you know, I'd really like to get a night flight. And they said, yeah, we can get you on here. But when I was a CO, I tried to help drive that. You know, we had metrics of of night hoist, like that we kept, and they were above what you know, thirty-seven ten do. I mean, you can get all your men's in, in December. And then wait until, you know, oh, yeah. you know, you can get all your men's in January and then wait till go December all the 31st. way until December <laughs> and you're by the letter of the law. And, and I don't think yeah. anybody's doing that, you know, no. we're, we're, but however, you know, I think, I think we, uh, and it's, it's an equal, it's on both sides, right? Both, both pilots, there's different groups of pilots and flight mechs that'll just, you know, hang out and not get over the boat at night. And uh, so we were tracking all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So
2: sitting right, right behind to the to the detriment of Scott Sandborn, you know, we have to pull him off a couple <laughs> oh, fights just yeah, so dude. just so we could get people proficient. <laughs> yeah. right? I was
1: working with him in Port Angeles. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: he's a hoot. Yeah, he's a hoot. Lot really, you know, you can't. I I embrace his passion. I love the fact that he was he was about getting on the flight yeah. schedule, and then and I was joking with I think Kenny last night. You know, my goal was always to bump him from the flight <laughs> schedule. Oh yeah, CL.
1: so he still had the highest flight time as a division chief. He beat yeah, all the rest. He of did. Him. I think we have to address the amazing choir that's in the background of our uh, <laughs> podcast right yeah, now. Yeah. That's awesome. They're bumping over there. Yeah,
0: it's good. Yeah. So right where they're at is the uh, mighty H-65, like we've been talking about, center of the uh, safety zone. Best aircraft, aircraft in the fleet. HAI. But that kind of leads into my next question, Tony, of um, what did you see as far as the safety culture and, and what you grew up in and where it was in the Coast Guard when you left to compare it to what you see in, in the civilian world in your role now? You know,
2: I think it's interesting because growing up in the Coast Guard, uh, my first unit was Traverse City, and uh, it was a great, it was an unbelievable first unit because most of the pilots in Traverse, it was a 60 unit at the time, this is 1994, right? I got there in December of 94, and then I went to my uh, 60 course in, in January, and almost all the pilots there were... Were guys cycling back from Alaska, so either SICK or Kodiak, right? And a few lieutenants, but mostly O fours, O fives in the command, right? And so, my first meeting with my ops boss, Tom Hasey, I don't know if you're running Tom Hazy. No, Hasey. i don't he, know. Yeah, he, he's a great guy. He said, "Well, Tony, you know, I'm not sure we're going to put you, but we just want you. To, we just want you to fly for now. And go back to my logbook." my first three months in the 60 in Traverse City over 60 hours each month. <laughs> each month? Yeah. Holy to this, cow. To
0: this day. You were literally just flying.
2: Those three months in the 60. Wow. Top anything I ever did even on deployment in the 65. It's just, you know, sword eat it. But, you know, the 60, all the fuel tanks six hours and we were using that airframe.
1: What a great way to start off your, uh, like as a co-pilot and you're just maxing oh, out your flight Oh, fantastic.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, Bill... Bill... No, Tom Haase fleeted up to XO, and then Bill Bigger fleet up in ops. But Bill Bigger was, you know, I flew with him quite a bit. Keith Taylor, later to be Admiral Taylor, Larry Massera, uh, Don Struther, all these guys. Uh, Mark Reynolds. Uh, all these guys were just really good mentors on yeah. not the mechanical skills, but just how you run a crew, how you make decisions, when you want to make decisions, and then just really, you know... Uh, You know, later on in the Coast Guard, we got really big into this right seat qual thing, right? That didn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) when I think you just, you were were qualified to fly the aircraft. You might not be an aircraft commander, but you know, so almost, you know, every flight um, was, uh, hey, what seat do you want, Tony? take the right I'll take the right take, you know? <laughs> I'll take the right but you know as we talked a little bit last night I mean the real work a lot of the time is 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 the management the navigation the radios of the flight you know and right. then and sometimes you know as a aircraft commander that's the best seat for you to be in yeah you know, in some cases
1: do you find that same culture exists at uh phillips now um are you seeing something similar or is it more i mean it's obviously a business so
2: it's let me uh, close out my summary of coast guard yeah. culture because i never really get i just yeah, i just sorry. told you a long stupid story but i like the yeah no no <laughs> so what you have in the coast guard is unreplicated in what i've seen okay. on the outside yeah. When you're in the middle of it, uh, you might not see it. When you're out of it, you definitely recognize it. So the culture, the reporting culture for safety is there, right? Yeah. Uh, it's people don't feel in, in any way that they can't come forward. I'm not saying that happens uh, in industry, but I just, I just, when I look at the reports that come out in the Coast Guard and the sharing of information and the, and you know, the honest assessment, you know, people willing to expose the warts and get after the problem. That's unreplicated from what I've seen so far, and it's amazing. The other thing I think you have, and I think we all appreciate, is while we might not have the most sophisticated systems and all the whiz-bang stuff and the greatest, you know, the most capability one aircraft, what we do have is we have, whether you know it or not, you know, 3710. It's the guidance document on how we do things, and it's an amazing, you know, I look back to that all the time, to benchmark on, you know, how, how different people should be doing things. And I always go back to that. That's a great, whether we agree with it or not, at least you know what the framework is. Right. And then the whole, all of Coast Guard aviation operates that way. Now, in fairness, on the civil side, you know, there's different regulatory requirements for how you fly an aircraft, whether you're part 91, part 135, part 121, part 125. There's a whole host of them. So it's kind of hard to do it. but. But it can be done, and you've done that in the Coast Guard. And the second piece about that is your procedures and your processes all build that culture. And I, you know, as a I was CEO at several units in, in 41, and, and the way we do maintenance and the people we have doing maintenance, it's just, it's just great. The fixer-flyer concept, that's another just yeah. amazing thing. So, We've talked uh, about that in the past too, like how many
1: times you've ever questioned an aircraft when you get into it for its airworthiness? Never. Never.
2: Absolutely never. It and I can't ever think of a time uh, in my career that I was that what that even came into like the the framework of my concern. It was yeah. more about okay, we got a challenging mission. This weather's going to stink. You know, right. uh, how am I going to do this? But it was never like, man, I hope the aircraft works. That was never. So, uh, so you got something really special, and you've got uh, and you know we were always. I think over the course of time when I was in the Coast Guard, there was always concern about experience level on the maintenance side, experience level, even on the pilot side. But uh, that's universal, right? So so the way you train, the way we're training our mechanics, the way they get exposure, the way they're empowered to do things, the whole quality assurance process for maintenance, it's awesome. Yeah, It's awesome. And uh, so that, so culturally... That whole process and uh, and how you do things is is unreplicated. Yeah, that, yeah. that's yeah. great,
0: and that's <clears throat> something I think I pride ourselves. You know, the Coast Guard large is that that culture and that there's no fear of retribution, um, and and really you kind of have to look at okay, you know, we're, we're all human, we are going to make mistakes, and you kind of have to know that entering into it, and yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get ridiculed if you do something dumb, right? That is part of the culture too, but. Um, anytime something like that happens, you can either say like, "Well, we can either learn um, individually and and as a wardroom and as a like Coast Guard Aviation, or we can choose to to punish someone." And you got to be very careful because you can't really do both. And if you go out and punish someone, um, that drastically changes that culture and that um, that yeah. freedom to share those things. Yeah,
2: you, you have to you have to communicate. You know. Under the just culture, you know, absolutely, as you guys know, uh, willful non-compliance, you know, yeah, and then gross negligence or or repeated negligence, yes, you got to deal with that. Yep. You know, people with the greatest intentions don't go out and try and make mistakes or do things wrong, but but it's the people that don't have the competency or didn't do the work to do the right thing, absolutely. or the people who are just just off the reservation, and you got to You know, you have to, you have to, you have to. Deal with those. And I think the big thing about that is you want to protect their sensitivity and their privacy, but you have to be transparent about what happened, you know? And sometimes I'd say that'd be, that'd be one area where the Coast Guard, you know, um, might, I think getting that information out when those kind of things happen, yeah. you know? Um, so, but, but, and I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that, that people in industry are afraid for a being, you know, retribution. It's just, I think the difference is we see reporting incentivized in terms of like, hey, thanks for letting us know. We're going to give you the eagle for that. Hey, thanks for letting us know. We're going to hang a velvet Elvis on your wall, but you know, we
1: hey, we're going to Josh you about it. But guess yeah, what? You know, you just, it.
2: you telling us that, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to look at that aircraft uh, a little bit deeper because we know that now, right? Yeah. Um, that, I don't I don't think that same kind of uh, promotion and advocacy is is out there at a, at yeah. at the level in the Coast Guard and I think yeah. this is
0: a, this is a really good and, and interesting discussion um, you know talking about this you know fear of bringing something up versus just culture like yeah sometimes if someone is grossly ne- negligent um, yeah you don't want that person flying with you on, on a duty if every time they show up they're unprepared or they're not doing what they what they need to do and so I think that yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You you know you have to. You, that's that whole model, and you gotta you know you, you want reporting, but at the end of the day, if you have those kind of two issues, you gotta handle them. Yeah. And, yeah. You, and you have to, you know, I used to say accountability is a force, uh, morale force multiplier, right? Right. You know, if you're in a if you're in a unit and you've got a couple people that are not carrying their weight or not 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 doing what they're supposed to do, and everyone lets that happen. Yeah.
0: Who, who wants to work there, right? So you got to... Yeah, so. especially when you think about like, cool, what would a you make a mistake. Would a reasonable pilot go out and make that same mistake? And I also think it's interesting to look at, you know, something happens, like how the command reacts versus how your peers react. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the command might come down and be like, oh, I'm taking your wings. And you're like, uh, we all do that, including <laughs> you, sir, that did it two weeks ago when we were flying back from the Airfac. Yeah. Like, um, that, you
2: know... That was my brief, it, you know, it, in, in the crew brief, you know, when it came around to me in the 144. Uh, Captain, you got anything? Because I was a co I go, hey, I'm going to make more mistakes than anyone in this light, <laughs> yeah, So just, yeah. you know, be nice to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just like, just get it out yeah. there right away, you know, and, yeah. and uh, so, you know, there won't hurt my feelings, and uh, yeah.
1: And you're always, I mean, if you're always searching for improvement and trying to set that standard, like, I think that's what's important too. You're, you're continuing to improve, learn. And uh, admit those mistakes, and yeah. across the organization, that just creates a better safety culture.
2: It does. I think you know, it's it's a hard sometimes, um, you know, the accountability and then the and the advocacy. You know, it's a it's a balance. I would say people uh, who uh, who I work with over the time would might have thought I was more on one side than the other, but in my you know, I was never trying to be. I was trying to just make sure that you know. Hey, we're we're flying safe aircraft and we got the right people you know going on duty and all those kind of things yeah, yeah.
1: If, I, if I could sidebar us back to some Coast Guard stories uh, sir I heard that you were affectionately known as Skidmark when you were stationed up in uh, Kodiak. Can you uh, elaborate on that nickname?
2: Skid you know you're I, I don't I don't think I was Skidmark <laughs> you know he'll kill me but yeah we I'm not so. In the in the spirit of of uh, this poor guy, uh, it's kind of like when in you know when in what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So okay. I'm going to tell the story in that in that vein. So like that. I'm going to leave names <laughs> no, out. But, no
1: names will be mentioned.
2: But but I will I will tell I will tell names of other people involved. So <laughs> we I was on my first uh, my first uh, deployment in Kodiak, and I was paired up with uh, Mark Morin. I don't know if you guys know Mark Morin, Great guy. Mm-hmm. And we had another pilot with us, who was also getting through his uh, his first winter deployment. So we had three of us up there, and we were taking turns flying. I got up there a little bit later after the other guy, but um, you know, I guess dinner uh, happened, and uh, and and Mark, uh, everyone ate it, but but this one particular guy, you know, he got a hold of some bad beef, you know, and they take off, they take off in the 65, and he goes. Man, we got to go back, <laughs> <laughs> and and this is as told to me by Mark and Marcos. You know, Mark's like, you know, Mark was a JG at the time, and yeah. he was the senior deployed aviator. And this other guy was a was an 04 and uh, and uh, and Mark's like, what do you mean we got to go back?
1: i and, and then we need a green deck immediately. <laughs> this, this
2: guy literally, he's in so much pain. He just gets out of his seat and crawls in the back. And as we know, that's no easy task in the H-65. No. And, uh, and, Mark was like, oh, okay, so they got a green deck, they landed, and then the door opened, and, and the guy ran out, you know, so, (laughs) everyone knew
0: what he was going to do, too. Anyway. (laughs) I'm excited. He he made it, though? He, he did not. Okay.
2: (laughs) And, uh, Skids was his, uh, Skids. Skids, yeah. I, uh, I appreciate
1: that story because the way I was leaning was more in towards uh, the the mishap that you had oh, in, uh, oh. in Kodiak, but I'm really Which happy I, that one came out.
0: Yeah. You love you know, a good poop story, well, I do. I yeah, because yeah, I
2: mean, uh, skid mark uh, in 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 our juvenile aviation board is, is more of something about you know, yeah. You've uh,
1: ruined a dry suit.
2: Oh, so yes, yes, I'm I'm definitely responsible for a nice. Uh, nice, deep skid mark on the runway in Kodiak. Um, I will say on center line and, uh, and well orchestrated Okay, with one, one small thing. You know, the gear wasn't down, right? Yeah. So it was a, a flight, uh, me, uh, another guy, and, and, a, and a senior chief. And I'm friends with these guys still to this day. You kind of go through something like this, you know. You, oh, you're you, bonded. You're you're yeah. in the foxhole, <laughs> and you provide support and therapy over time. But I'm glad you guys asked about this because uh, it was it was a uh, it was it's my Kodak moment in Kodiak, right? You know, I always tell people what you you guys on the sheet you gave me said. hey, What was you know what's your favorite unit? I can easily tell you, even with that happening, Kodiak was my favorite unit for yeah. a close toaster reason. But I'd say I had the highest highs in my life and the lowest lows, but it was the foundation that made me not the pilot, the officer, the father, the person I am today, right? Whether it's good or bad, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. it, it had a huge, yeah. it had a huge, it, the most foundational thing. So, uh, so anyway, to really, to really cover the, the meat of this, uh, quickly, because I could go on forever about this, because it's good therapy for me. No so time like, agenda over here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we can chat about this all day. No. So uh, it was a RT... we were getting ready for Stan. Okay. Beating up the pattern. We had been beating up the pattern for about an hour, and, and you guys, I, I shared this with you last night. I was surprised you didn't know this. We didn't have checklists in the H65. <laughs> I am still dumbfounded We had no that. checklist. We had the wipeout, and the wipeout was basically you got in and it was a memorized flow. And when you went to your T course, you had to memorize the flow, and uh, part two, no red book. We had something in the plane that the OEM created, but
0: all your EPs, what you're expected to know. So how do we go from zero to 172? Not, Jeez. not well. No, there, no, there were no. They had 172. you had to them. Memorize them you all. had
2: to know them all. Oh, and some you had, you know, it was kind of like. Uh, I
0: thought you were saying there was no EPs.
2: And clearly, you knew some better than others because they were more critical, right? Um, but wow. in terms of in terms of the book, this this you know when this comes out, this could be debated by some of the old guys. So I don't want to. But anyway, n- let's just say we had no. This is a fact. No checklist. It was a wipeout. Wow. And uh, and it was it was kind of a uh, as as I as i think and this could be debated too but it was the h52 was a single flown single pilot a lot you know so uh so you were by yourself and so that was it, that, that's it, the normal culture so into the 65 they they adopted that same that same thing so yeah. so if you don't like checklists you can blame us because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what got us to checklist yeah okay? so anyway beating up the pattern and, uh, and there was an inbound uh, commercial aircraft coming in into Kodiak, and the tower said, hey, can you guys just go out to Women's Bay for a little bit, and, uh, and, um, and we'll bring you back in? We're like, sure. And we're transitioning out. Uh, I was flying in the left seat, and other pilot was in the right seat, and as we, tra- we were coming up from uh, might have just done a min speed or something like that, and this is still in the LTS 101s too, right? He brought the gear up. Okay. So think about flying for an hour with the gear down, yeah, in that one little action, so tower called us back in and uh, and we went right right in the downwind and we are right right back, and we were doing a stuck right, and we went right back to that whole habit pattern we established and you know we had we had verbal call outs for the wheels. this was um, the community I, I don't think I think we we've, we've had several wheels up since, so it's still oh yeah still, we have it's still definitely a human factors thing. And if you if you want to, I'm I'm proud of this because we did a lot of work on it. And uh, and you know for whatever reason the Coast Guard didn't accept the the human systems interface that we recommended, but we had a wheels up in Brinken when we were there, and we we did a really deep dive on the human factor side of it and how to really make a wheels warning system that will help you yes because because all we do is tune it out and in those days you know uh you know we had the rat out bug at 125 you know just as a a standard norm for when you were going to flare in the autos and then you got i think the 40 foot oral tone and if you had same warning system if you had your gears uh up below 200 200 200, yeah you would get the for like two seconds or whatever well you know we were so ingrained in briefing the procedure and everything yeah. that didn't, that didn't catch our, or there's attention. a
1: tower call or, you know, yeah, yeah. So that didn't something. catch our
2: attention and we went in. And so, uh, you know, the one question I'm me is like, well, why, you know, clearly you, you know, as you're, as you're setting up to land, you, you had a different sight picture. Cause you know, you're going, you know, and, and here's the kicker. Talon probe was installed on that aircraft. That's what. That's where the big skid mark came. <laughs> that, thing, that thing's. Is tough. It, I heard it's
0: still there. I don't know if that's that, true or not. Uh, I think they probably <laughs> did. They redo it, it. i okay. pretty. Yeah, I think. I'll send some text out. We'll <laughs> yeah. see if it's still there. Yeah, I think he signed can, it too. If you can Tony get a picture, get a next picture to it. for me. Uh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. So. So as we're coming in, you know, this the this stuck right is a great maneuver if you do it right. Right. Yeah. You know, You got everything timed and and you know, the nose is coming through and I lock it in with collective on my, on my alignment. And then we hear this and it's right at the same. My, my initial, my initial uh, reaction was, gosh, uh, something's wrong with the wheel brakes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I start lowering the collective and you know, then, then we, then you knew, then we knew. Yeah. Cause, cause the nose came down, <clears throat> pitot tubes came flying off and, uh, yeah, and then we're like, "Do you remember yeah. how fast you were going, Tony? When you, you guys touched down, slow ground speed. It yeah. was you know, it was it was uh, 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 we were we were trying to challenge ourselves. Yeah. So, so uh, think
1: about if you had a stuck left in that situation and you did that at sixty knots, fifty-five knots. Yeah, exactly. That, exact, that could exactly, and so that's poorly.
2: you know, that was one of my points. You know, we haven't had a lot of running landings with the wheels up. That was the first. That's why they formed an AIB. Uh, Sam Creech, Captain Abel came in, uh, did a great job, made some great recommendations. But you think about that, you know, the, the human system interface that it, you know we recommended in the brain can mishap. Uh, you know, you you roll one helicopter in a running landing because you didn't put the gear down. That's you know the money that would take to invest in fixing the wheels warning system is worth it, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So. So yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, because you can, you know. Especially getting ready for Stan, you know, you got a couple guys you think you know they know how to, they can do these really good. You're you're pushing the what sixty knots ground speed, right? Yeah. You're 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 right there. You know, yeah. you're like you're like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna really challenge him on this one, right? <laughs> and that's what we were doing. And uh, no no, re- I I was I always liked that. I always wanted you know the guy I'm flying with uh, to you know to put me in to to challenge me, but know your limits, right? If it's not gonna yeah. work, you just do the go around. But this one, everything was like it's like. Man, this Line, is, this is on. Great. Up, yeah this lined up right so so that so the whole the whole piece just we just went back to our normal frame of reference of being that pattern, and yeah. we just it I, just yeah. it's well, crazy, right, but three people on the same day all you know so that, so, it, the, it. So, the, yeah. so the beauty of crew flying is you, you know. You just need one guy to be having a good day if the two if the other two yeah. aren't or whatever to, it is to break yeah. the chain yeah. And, yeah. and you guys know we've all we've all been there and that's what we were talking about this love the, the love of flying the 65 was that flight mechanic sitting right in the middle going hey you can arm your oei for this rig takeoff yeah yeah angel that's a great idea <laughs> yeah. angel vasquez on a takeoff out of houston one time yeah yeah, yeah. that's great
0: yeah how do you think that um moment changed your career if it if it did and how did it change oh it? Y- y- you know what
2: i'd say i'd say as a young pilot uh i always i was always reading the mishaps and uh and i would look at it and go wow how do these guys do this you know how do they you know <laughs> and now i'm part of the club right of a yeah. of a of a really professionally uh professionally embarrassing thing right you know mm-hmm. uh Um, so I, I took a whole different perspective on on mishap messages. I took a whole different perspective on that's why I think the Elvis is so cool, (laughs) Yeah, you know, right? And, and I have one in my office today and it's, it's the reminder, like, Hey, everyone's coming in. You you gotta think this way in aviation. We have the outliers. I get it, but everyone's coming to work, trying to do their best, right? Everyone. Yeah. So go into every conversation about an aviation safety issue, a personnel issue, try and get to the truth before you get to the judgment. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't always done that, but, but that's why I I have, I have, I have the Elvis on my wall to remind me
0: like, Hey man, everyone's, everyone's truly trying. I I, I was front and center and and remember. And I didn't know it's the same one. So I didn't know about this tradition when I got there. And I was like, yeah. this is really weird. EXO has this like weird <laughs> velvet Elvis giant picture in his office. Um, but I, I'm glad you said that, because I think it's important, just talking about our safety culture, is having someone in a wardroom that has made a mistake. yeah, so, um, yeah. And willing to talk about it. And willing it. to talk about it. Um, because, like I said, we're all susceptible to mistakes. And someone else is going to make a mistake. And it's really nice for someone to come in and be like, I used to be that guy that would sharpshoot people on mishap messages. And be careful because you will never know when you go out and you find yourself in that one that was distracted at home, which carried over into your flight, and the other three people in that flight missed it. And the, that's
2: so true, Kenny. And the, and the one thing you've got to really embrace is whether you agree with it or not, someone's giving you some feedback, especially you guys as, as leaders, just take it. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it could be, be far left, but it took a lot for that person to come up to you and say, you need to do something better. Yeah. So just whether you agree with it or not, just go, hey, thanks for, thanks for letting me know. Like I said, it took me a while to learn that too, but hopefully yeah. towards the end, I was getting better at yeah. it. Yeah. And then, and then yeah.
0: like you said, in Brinkin, you were the permanent mishap board member when someone has a gear up and that that must have I, I don't know what those guys went through but it must have felt good for looking at someone who is a leader in the organization and being like, hey man, I think you're gonna be okay. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a quick story. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's
2: the first thing the first thing, you know, we, we got the whole team together and I said, guys are first thing we're here to do is is get these guys in a good spot, in a good headspace. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's a lot uh you know, th- this would be a great one for you guys to read. See if you can dig up the miss that mishap message because okay. we put, we went, we went to headquarters one one three one, did a full HVAC analysis. I think all the hundred and forty six factors of it. And you know, me, Aaron, and Jason, uh, uh, Tickler, Jason, Trichler. 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 Skeletor, yeah, Skeletor, yeah, yeah, Skeletor, yeah.
0: <laughs> dude. If you see him, you'd we, know. Okay. you know, he can and, walk by right now. He'd be like, that's <laughs> Skeletor. It's like, like and dude.
2: and we <laughs> we hash it out. I mean. I had some strong opinions and and Aaron had some strong opinions. But we we got to a really good um, thing that really critiqued not the pilots so much, but our organization and how we've kind of just we just keep we just keep writing these off like, okay, you know, this is class D, you know, we just got to replace some antennas, and but you know, to your point, what happens when we're doing a running landing? Or worst case scenario you lose an engine you get so saturated with everything going on and now you're doing a real run on landing yeah. you know single engine and you you know that yeah so yeah yeah i do
1: think that the echo checklist has has hopefully alleviated that cuz you know you had no checklist and then we went to checking the gear 7 times which having so much redundancy some people even miss that and now we're back to like three checks and then if you're in the pattern like you know it's already down so you just have to confirm it once that's um, good. I, I think I kind of find that middle ground.
2: Yeah. One of the things we tried to do in the message was, you know, one of the things that the fixed wing community does really good across the board, whether it's Coast Guard or commercial, is there's, there's milestones in the flight that those things happen. So it's really hard in helicopter aviation because, you know, we're not just always going to a runway. Right. We might have to go hoist we might not want to put our gear down when we hoist. And so there was, there was, there's these things that complicate that, but so those are the exception, but the norm, what we're trying to get as like, Hey, set a milestone to do your checklist, you know? And, uh, and, you know, that was like, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, another was, question. Do the we funny need here? I'm going to pick on you guys. There's a couple guys oh, from, boy. it was a couple guys from Mobile on the stand team said, no, nah, we're not doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they probably thought about the work that was involved. And they're like, no. Nah.
2: <laughs> but it was like, you know, here's this guy who's been, you know, here's this team who put a little thought into it. No, nah, we're not doing that.
0: Challenging so. the status quo is tough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it, when you yeah. have something for 10 years, it, it's hard to change sometimes oh, yeah. you know yeah and yeah sometimes it takes something like that to actually do it and, and even then you're like eh, eh probably not yeah but yeah yeah. Uh, yeah one other question with this did it take you anything
1: specific to get back on the horse like because if I had to happen to yeah. me, I would have been like shit after I landed or it, you know like a full you know blood pressure dump and just like oh no what's gonna happen to me
2: you know what I had uh I had so many people come out of the woodwork and tell me a story about something that happened to them and by the grace of a, of a H3 flight mechanic or someone else you know yeah. it would have been them too I and mean, uh, you know it's funny like when all this was going on I, you know people were coming by you know I you know I wasn't flying during the during the admin and the uh, and the AIB investigation but you know my command uh my XO, uh, the other pilots I flew with, uh, all you know, all the f- the the flight mechanics and the mechs on the outpat staff, you know, they were just all they all reached out to me and said, "Hey man, doesn't yeah. doesn't change your you're good you know you're still a good pilot you know, yeah. get back in the saddle." Yeah. And then uh, and then Captain Ng was a skipper at the time, and he just said, "Hey, you you need to get on the flight schedule."
0: So yeah. I heard. Yeah. The, I don't know if this is true, but I heard the army: if you have some sort of mishap. Your very next flight in the aircraft is to go do that exact thing that you had a mishap doing. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Man, well, I, there's a lot of Army people running out. We'll that's check good. Them, But yeah. yeah. And, uh,
2: and it was good that I went through that because when we had a couple of Kodak uh, moments in Brinken, you know, uh, with the mishap we had, we also remember we had the, uh, the in flight engine shutdown on the hoisting event. I don't think I remember that. Yeah, Rod Rios. OK. Yeah. I think that might have been slightly yeah. before my time. Yeah. Okay. You know, I just, yeah. same thing. I just, I just say, Rodney, man, you did a great job. Get out yeah. and fly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he sense. did. Yeah. And there was, there was an old saying there, like you, in order to get command of an air station, you had to have some major mishap in, in your era. <laughs> so that's that's how you got two two commands. So that's right. I guess the
2: bigger the <laughs> mishap, the more commands you get. Is that what you yeah. I, think, yeah. I think so. Hey, man.
0: I'll no, I, I appreciate you uh, opening up and, and telling us. Yeah, thanks for sharing story. that story. Sure. Um, Do you have a favorite SAR case or aviation moment that was on the opposite side of that? Maybe something that's a little more of a high? I have a great, I have a funny story
2: and I have a great story. Okay. Love Um, it. And so the funny story was uh, me and Mark Haynes, do you guys know Mark? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Me and Mark Haynes were flying. We got a, I was standing duty at Port Angeles. And we got a call for an uh, ELT offshore in in like the ocean offshore. A lot of Port Angeles is like in <laughs> yeah. the straits. Or, oh yeah, it's all it's like oh good, it's in the straits. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're going. So we we zoom out in beautiful night. So I'm like going oh, sweet, full moon. Mike on a duty night. I never looked at when the moon was coming out when I stood <laughs> duty. But I'm just saying. No, yeah, yeah. same. So so anyway, uh, we get out over. Uh, we're not we're right near. Um, Quillayute River, and we're coming over, and we we can take kind of this mountain passway oh, yeah. over beautiful, this beautiful, lakes, beautiful flight. Yeah, and we get about 20 miles offshore, and there's just this blanket of clouds at about 600 feet. We're at about 2,000 feet, and it's like, man, we're gonna have to do that thing we call a match or a catch <laughs> or an IASVAS letdown. You know, the thing we practice yeah. for hours. You know, and I had done some. You know, I'm I'm being facetious. I had done some, but but. That whole crew, everyone,
0: no one had ever
2: actually done yeah, an you're actual. Like, oh shit! We, yeah,
0: all those things that we always train. Like, yeah. I think we're actually gonna have to do it. So yeah.
2: we didn't have a great position on the um, where this E L T was. So I said, "Hey guys, why don't why don't we set ourselves up with a really let's let's set ourselves up to get underneath the layer, and 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 in that way first. So we're not we're not we're not trying to just everything. You know, I always thought that that maneuver is great, but Everything happening at once is tough. So I was mm-hmm. like the ISVS letdown. So mm-hmm. we did oh, that. Yeah. And that was Agreed. after. And that's when we had, you know, you could lock in uh, the rate of descent. And you also had, uh, what was it, IS-Alt now you guys yep. have? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We didn't have you that. Should,
0: oh, you should. The Echo now. You can literally just type in an altitude and it'll descend to it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like flying jet blue, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, oh I want to come yeah. to 150. Oh, that's 150. Great. <laughs> done.
2: Anyway, so we went, we we did it and uh, we got down to about 75 feet and it's just we got no ambient T- light from the from the moon. It's dark. We we have no there's there's nothing to DF on, we don't even hear a signal. This was a 406 hit, so we didn't, you know, it could have been it could have been in Africa. So we're yeah. And we're just droning in, and we get to where they they gave us data. On, there's nothing to see. I mean, not. I mean, we could have come down 25, 4 more feet, you know, but it, you know, there was nothing, no. and 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 creepy, eerie, right? You know, so you're doing so. I go, okay, let's. we gonna go around. We hit the go around. You know, great stand training, great simulator training. Everything <laughs> works great. We get at the altitude and the flight. Like, I go, well, guys, uh, let's let's go ahead and do a racetrack this way and we're gonna we're gonna go down and and give it another shot See, make sure we we uh we didn't miss it and the flight mech is like i'm not picking on flight mix but this was his first time he'd ever done that he goes this captain that that's crazy that's <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's crazy that's man. dangerous and i go <laughs> and i go uh i said hey it is it, i mean we we're all we it when you think about it it is it's a hard maneuver yeah. But Mark and I, that's, you know, when you're in the back and we're practicing catches and matches, that's what this is for. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We got and and we can have people in the water down there. We got We got to give it another shot. And, uh, and he goes, okay. You know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and we had, uh, I forget who the swimmer was, but he, he just chimed in right away. He goes, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we do these all the time. And, and he was just like Mr. Matter. <laughs> you know, he was like the calmest one of them. Yeah. All. Classic. You know, so, anyway. So Mark and I do it again. We hit the go-around. Nothing. Uh, District 13 calls us and said, "Hey, it was an inadvertent activation. You guys are released." So, um, uh, so we got to head back, but we got to get gas, and we have a fuel cache in. Uh, I forget, Gosh dang! The name of the uh, the name of the airport's drawing. You guys blank. should
0: all know this too.
1: Yeah. Uh, the the one in Nia Bay.
2: No, no, no. It's it, Not in Nia Bay. It's at the little airport where, where all the vampires are, right?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I've only flown the coast once. look it up yeah, for us. Yeah. Look it okay. up, Brian. Thanks, Ryan.
2: Anyway, once a year, and it's going to come to me in here a second too. I don't know why I'm, Once a year, they close that airport for the weekend for drag races. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> of course. Guess who didn't check NOTAMs right? <laughs> you know, before, we, before we leave? So we're coming in, and Mark's flying, and I go, what is all that stuff on the side of the runway? It's like tents and trailers, and, and uh, it was like a drag strip Lollapalooza. Oh, jeez! <laughs> and, and, and to run the drag races, they put, you know, the, you've know you seen them like on the roads, those concrete barriers, yeah. it's all up and down. So we can't taxi off the runway to get to our fuel cache. We've got a hopscotch over, and, uh, and I know we're gonna blow like half these little, those, those freestanding gazebo tents.
0: Yeah. What is it? He thinks it's Nia Bay? No, I think it, it's Nia Bay, right?
2: No, no, no. Let me see. Let me see. We <laughs> got
0: four flight
1: out. We're really <laughs> going hardcore here. And by
2: vampires, are you talking about Twilight? Like, <laughs> It's Forks. Forks, okay. Forks, okay. yeah, Forks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where the whole... The whole movie was yeah, shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in Forks. So so we're at Forks, and uh, and we land, and I go, Mark, you know, let me just do this so, you know, when I when I <laughs> yeah. wake all these like, people up and, and create like all the damage. The you know, you can uh, all take the heat yeah. and, uh, and, and, you know, Pro and, if, so so we hop over and sure enough and then all these people come running out and they're, and they're like, they couldn't have been better. Like, hey, what's going on? i sorry we made all this noise. We knocked over those speakers and it, was, <laughs> it wasn't as bad. I said, we knocked over a couple things, uh, but we got to our fuel cache and they're like, what's going on? I mean, what are you guys doing? And it was, it was a bunch of uh, bunch of drag strip aficionados, and they had all their cars. A lot of them from Canada, and they punk. just they just chatted us up, you know. Yeah. They, and they are like, hey, do you want to smooth that concrete thing? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that. Get, that. <laughs> get that, yeah. other one. And so, you know, that was my true confession at the next pilot's meeting that I didn't check no TAMs. I yeah. don't. You know, what the funny thing is, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Yeah. That's that's where we had to get fuel. Right. And yeah. we were, uh, you know, and uh, so that's the funny story. <laughs> Or semi-funny, I like <laughs> judge of that. The, the great case I have uh, that I always remember, and it wasn't because of the, the crazy weather or the, uh, or the challenging flying, it was just the team effort to make this happen. We had, we had a Bell 206, there was a Bell 206 that crashed in the West Cameron kind of section of rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, I had, I was in Houston, and I didn't have the duty, but Dave Scott had some kind of like, you know, Parcheesi festival or something he had yeah. to go to or something. So, <laughs> so, so he, he, uh, he said, hey, Tony, can you take my duty? And I go, sure. And then like 30 seconds later, it's like, Bell 206 crash, West Cameron 249, <laughs> put the ready online. And, uh, and, so, and so the rescue swimmer is Mark Pipkin, the uh, co-pilot was Bob Morehouse, and I'm pretty sure the flight mechanic was a guy named MC Smith. And Mark came, what do you think? I said, eh, let's bring a litter, you know, you never know, And uh, but but this could be bad. Good thing we did. Yeah. So we zoom out there. This is going to sound crazy. I, the. Falcon guy is going to hate me. The Falcon was there
0: yeah. Yeah. and they were circling. They, they, they must've just already been flying they, over. Or? They
2: No, they, they launched for it too. They launched <laughs> they for beat it too. You? Yep. They, Oh yeah. Oh my Out of gosh. Corpus. I mean, they're, they're fast. And Maury Andrews was a pilot. He's a classmate of mine and he's, Maury's from Mississippi. And he's like, Hey, you guys see the, <laughs> you guys see the helicopter down there? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He, he vectored us right into <laughs> it. Um, did some great coordination for where we were going to go to the hospital and we got, you know, we, we I did our, that. we did our approach to the hover and these guys were hurting. I mean, they were barely floating. How, the, how many? It's five. Whoa. Barely floating. They had been in the water for quite some time and we put Mark down and Mark immediately called for the litter. So three broken backs. Whoa. Uh, and everyone was on the verge of hypothermia because this wasn't Jeez. summer. This was, this, was, this was some cold weather. Where again was it? It was off the coast, about probably, uh, I'd say 80 to 100 miles south of, um, maybe not that far, maybe like 50 miles south of Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, so we, had, we got to do three litter hoists from the water. You know, we practiced those in training. But it's not like not very often. It's not. Often it's, not at all. it's not. It's not the. Um, it's they take a lot of time, right? Yeah. And you know, sixty-five. It's like time is fuel. Let's yeah. get going. We got. We want to get a lot of proficiency out of this flight. So, so uh, so we did. We did three litter hoists. After the first one, I could see that the you know we got to, got to pull these guys out of the litter with broken backs and stack them in the tail boom. And MC, we couldn't do that safely or in regard for their injuries. Uh, uh, to get that done, uh, the way we, w- with just him. Yeah. So, you know, before the edict, you're not allowed to go to the back seat as a copod I t- I said, hey Bob, man, you got to get back there and help MC. You know, this is a, it was a, it was good weather. You know, I had I could see everything. You know, he was definitely doing a great job on keeping me clear of, of a couple things, but but really the need was we needed we needed help in the back. Yeah. So Bob, very carefully. Got in
0: the back. I don't think they, I've ever heard of another story other than the and, one. That, and this, and this, yeah, these were, put and this drink, was LTS but,
2: 101s, right? Yeah. So, so we're 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 at our margins the whole time. Right. wasn't a lot of wind. Anyway, we got we got the three guys up first, and literally, uh, stack them. In we the didn't tail cone. we didn't bring the basket, so these guys are all all in the back. Just did you take them, them out of the litter? We had to, yeah, because yeah. we need litter for the next one. We wow. couldn't do any kind of hoist. Uh, otherwise, you know, yeah. we put a lot of strain. So we were just, you know, they were as careful as they could be on the patient transfer yep. and they did a great job. And then we had the two other guys that we did, I believe sad poos uh, with Mark. And then Maury and the Falcon found us a rig like 15 minutes away. Cause we were at, we were about, about 300 pounds of gas when so all this was, all this was. You had nine people in the helicopter at that point. Yeah. Holy yep. cow. Yep, that's a wild ride So here. we took we took everybody. We we went to the rig. We took the two guys that that did not have uh, broken backs off, and and then Brett Bowden and a couple and another crew from Houston picked them up to take them to the hospital. But we we took the the rig was awesome. They had an EMT. He took care of those guys. But the point of the story is, Mike, Mark Pipkin. I mean, that guy was in the water for a long time. Yeah. Prepared three, uh, three people with back injuries. Got him in the got him in the helicopter. Two more, and then he kept the guy alive all the way to Lake Charles. He was foaming at the mouth, CPR, the whole nine yards. Dang, yeah,
1: that's a great SAR case story. So it's a great case. I, I feel like some of those cases, at least for me.
2: Um, it's like, and a, we all high five and got achievement medals. <laughs> oh
1: my God! Come on,
2: <laughs> that that's the cult, That's some of the culture, yeah. right? And there's no, no ill will, but for me, it sounds my like there goal, might be a little, little bit of ill will for Mark. Yes. for okay. Mark. Okay, for Mark. You know, I, uh, I got you know the Coast Guard trained for me to do that. It was great, uh, but uh, but Mark that day did some extraordinary things Yeah, and cool as a cucumber.
0: Yeah. Wild.
2: Yeah. That is
1: yeah. wild. Sometimes yeah, right. I feel like that, you know, a case like that's like, makes you think, hey, this, this might've been the reason that I joined the Coast Guard, like yeah. to rescue this, this specific, these five dudes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And
2: we, you know, we followed up with the hospital, got to talk. I got to talk to one of the guys and he was just like, man. Oh wow. Yeah. We, you normally don't get that. Cause they were in the water clear. for a while too. That, yeah. And they were like, man, we just. I'd given up oh, and then it I saw, it, he goes, and I saw that Falcon, and then I saw you guys and I'm like, yeah. So it was,
0: it was really cool. That's wow. awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, wanted to shift gears a little bit. So you are still involved with the coast guard, uh, quite a bit as uh, a member of the coast guard aviation association. Yes.
2: Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was
1: curious, what, what's your role in there? And, uh, you know, what's, what's good for us active duty folks to know about, uh, the ancient order of the pterodactyls.
2: Great questions. When I retired, I, uh, I started working for Conoco, and then Mike Emerson, the president of the Coast Guard Aviation Association, also uh, SES at Coast Guard Headquarters, asked me if I'd participate, and he, he said he needed someone for business development. And it's all the great thing about the Coast Guard Aviation Association; it's a nonprofit, and we have no, we don't spend any money on employing folks. Right? It's a hundred percent volunteer. Now that takes a lot of work as a volunteer, but it's you know, it's. Worthwhile. It's, it's getting back to what you know I love. You know we're you know being around you guys, uh, advocacy, helping. So, but anyway, so my job for the for the uh, pterodactyls is I do I I seek partnerships with corporate uh, sponsors to help us get after our mission. And you know we have we kind of do four things. We do we if if you've seen some of the great work that Sean Cross is doing on the day in Coast Guard history. Um, and all all the people that came before Sean you know, just, just legends Tom Beards your Bear Mosley's the guys who have archived Coast Guard history Yeah, we do a really good job in protecting that you know the, ter- the Coast Guard Aviation association instrumental in getting a 52 into the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum instrumental in getting a 52 into the Seattle Museum of Flight we're always looking for those opportunities so that's one thing the other thing we do is, is fellowship and I think that's that's where uh uh, I think, I think, I think some of the active duty think it, it, that's all we do, right? right? And that's, and that's a good thing too. Hangar flying is important, reuniting, having those good conversations. But we're we we've got we're, we're doing a little bit more. The third thing we do is advocacy. You know, we're trying to we're advocating for what the Coast Guard wants. We, we're always aligned with where the Coast Guard is and what they want to do with aviation capability, and we try and help them in that vein. And then the fourth thing is. You know, we're there. We're there for the units. You know, uh, we have we have provided um, some really neat um, financial support for members in need. Similar, we're not trying to take the place of the foundation or CG Mutual Assistance, but uh, but we're available. And sometimes, you know, yeah, sometimes different, all different all, avenue all it is is yeah. a call from a leading chief, and uh, there's no red tape. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, here here you go. Here here's what you need. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of those things where the color of the money that the Coast Guard has can't be used towards this particular event like helping a member getting other family members yeah. to a funeral those kind of things right. we've done that uh, but uh, but one of the things that's exciting and what we're trying to do and, and why, why we think we add value for active duty is we realize we, we have to we need to do some neat things for our members too mm-hmm. both on the whole membership at large, but a big segment of our membership and the members we want, because you guys, you know, you guys bring the juice. You know, you're keeping us current on what's going on, you're, I mean, and you're why we exist, you know, to support what you guys are doing. So, uh, but, so we've had, we had our very first professional day at the 2022 Roost in Corpus Christi. Yep. And that involved, we've always had the programs from headquarters come in and give us briefs, but this time we had, we had our sponsors Kind of give their thoughts on how we should think about future Coast Guard aviation capability and, and things we should be doing. There was, I mean, it sounds like such a no-brainer, but you know, when you look at the weight and and of of a C-130J uh-huh. and, and what it does, you know, the you know how we're using them for training, right? Yeah, beating up the pattern on whatever whatever they call it in a C-130J, but an RT one. You know, we had a great brief from Vector CSP, is you know. You could save so much money if you just had simulators at each of your units. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and we you guys know the training and, and I've I do a lot of um, safety overview or uh, or visits to simulator training providers. What I yeah. do in, for Conoco and uh, the training's amazing. I it mean, is. you can do so many things, and you can test yourself in so many ways. And it's a free fail, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, there's all
0: these companies here. There's there's a yeah. sim and a trailer back yeah. right there that instead of on your stand visit, we just show, give you a trailer with the so sim that, and virtual reality. And yeah. so, is
2: it just a fantastic brief? It was not data free. It showed you. It showed you that it was just a great brief. Doesn't mean that you know, and we know, uh, it's a tough. It's a really tough acquisition environment at Coast Guard. There's a lot of pressure, but but make no mistake. There's we've got a very old. Rotary Wing Fleet, you know? Yeah. And our solution is to keep using old things to make things new. (laughs) And uh, uh, not our solution, but the Coast Guard solution. So I I think we've... we've We we need new aircraft. We need new aircraft. That's awesome. Also,
0: we we need to say thanks because if you go uh, to your website there, you're repping Flight Suit Friday. So thanks. I hope we're we're keeping all you old guys connected with, you know, Coast Guard Aviation. Oh, uh,
2: (laughs) the membership loves it. Loves it. Uh, We want to help and be a part of it. So consider us a resource. So yeah. You know, I'm, let's say, second tour
1: aviator. Uh, Where's the next roost? Okay, thanks for asking. Yeah. Twenty
2: Twenty Three Roost is in San Diego, okay. the thirty-first of October to the third of November. Uh, we're at the Bahia uh, Resort Hotel. Got an incredible rate for our members and everyone who attends—one hundred seventy-five dollars a night. That's a, you know in this day's prices in, yeah. San, Diego. in San Diego, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So, uh, but why why should an active duty member come there? Uh, because one for Professional Day. Uh, We're going to have the great program, but we're going to have a whole separate session on career transition. So we're going to have people who are interested in talking about employment opportunities outside the Coast Guard and aviation, uh, financial knowledge. We're not trying to make it taps, you know, but we're trying to provide information. We're going to have people that have done the transition Mm -hmm. and can speak to the different things they're working on. And then we'll have, it's not going to be HAI, but we'll have, uh, we'll have a small exhibit area where all those folks you can have just off, you know, come out of the sessions if you want to have those conversations with those companies. Yeah. Um, and uh, and really, uh, so I I think I think that's a great value piece to it. And uh, and then you can kind of see what the association does at Professional Day in the morning. And then the big thing is is the annual Coast Guard Aviation Banquet. So all the all the annual Coast Guard Awards, the Erickson. The Stone Award, yeah. the Oliver Berry Award. We're going to award the Ruland Award this year. Uh, we have now; those are all Coast Guard awards. We sponsor an Air Ox Award, so we do we we award that. We'll have the new Ancient Albatross there, Admiral Chris Bartz. Uh, but you get to see that recognition, and uh, one of the great things about that, we we offset the cost for all active duty for registration and the banquet. So, and it's not based on rank; it's based on pay scale. You know, <laughs> yeah. because you know. we always use it by rank and that's not really how it works right so so you know an E5 I think is paying $15 for a banquet ticket and an 06 is paying $85 yeah so So we're trying to trying to make it available and fun and then there's a lot of fun events we have a golf tournament oh nice Uh, it's being, uh, uh, organized by, uh, CMC via at the air station as part of his, uh, as part of the
0: mess, It's going to be great. It can't beat San Diego either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about a great place to have it. Yeah. yeah. Friday will be there. Captain Lugo doesn't know it yet. He, yeah. or he just found out if he's listening, but we'll be there. <laughs> we'll be there. So it,
2: <laughs> it, and it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a target rich environment for your content, right? You're going to have, yeah. you're going to have, you know, you can bring in, uh, some of the great sponsors we have, you know, Sikorsky. Yesterday, did you guys know? Yesterday was the 100th anniversary of oh, I didn't. the start of Sikorsky Aviation.
0: How is that not a banner up? Maybe it is. Maybe there it there's is a banner is. Is. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I missed it.
2: So uh, they're always an awesome supporter of Coast Guard Aviation, Airbus. We're going to have a lot of neat sponsors. And we think uh, we're going to have some great, some great employment. Yeah. folks there uh they haven't committed yet so i can't really i don't want to i don't want to commit them on the on the flight two podcast but i think it's going to happen <laughs> yeah but uh but a huge thanks to uh i'll throw i will throw a plug up a huge thanks to rockwell Col- or collins uh avionics yeah uh, collins aerospace uh they were our first sponsor to commit and they're yeah. at the silver level so That's very awesome. cool. yeah
0: yeah so hey i think wrapping up here um we love to end our every every episode with some sort of advice that you got or guidelines that you like to live by or, or like to give to anyone that's listening. So the floor floor is yours on that one. Yeah, man, that's a that's a that's a
2: good one. I I, I think uh, I don't have like a three or four watchwords, but what I what I do, I learned a lot by watching other leaders. Sometimes watching bad leaders, you know, this is not what I want to do, but this is what right. I should do. But I think, I think at the end, uh, I think your actions always speak louder than words, especially in the cockpit. So, are you the guy that's, you know, showing up on time? Are you, you know, are you doing all the due diligence you're planning? Are do you know, do you know your procedures? Do you know your EPs? Are you concerned about your proficiency? I mean, in the aviation theme of things, that, that's where you want to be. Yeah, that's where you want to be, and you want to be. And you want to be the leader in the cockpit that invites those challenges to your decisions. Yeah. yeah. Make no mistake, aircraft commander is fifty-one percent because you're going to get that guy who doesn't want to do the catch. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, but you got to you know in the in the in the framework of the mission, you got to listen to those things, and you got to you got to adjudicate them, and you got to make a decision. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we knew you were coming on this morning, and I was trying to think of you know aviation experience you had. You and I had in breaking, and, and two stuck out to me. Um, one, I'm pretty sure you made me do AFCS off hovering for like 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> and and when you first said it, I was like, "Why? Why are you do? Why do you hate me?" Um, but that's probably what I needed. We probably did something, and you probably recognized it. Like, oh, he's a little uncomfortable with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? Time We're going to, to day day and off. it's great. Like that's what you need as a as a copilot, is someone who's like, oh, they're uncomfortable with this. They they need to be comfortable flying AFCS off. And then yeah. the other one. Uh, well, it's just,
2: it's just a huge confidence builder. You realize, yeah. man, this is no different than what I was doing in the uh, in the TH-57 Bravo, you right. know, this the, but I just, a- I just. Unless you
0: don't do it, and then <laughs> three years from now, yeah. and it's your aircraft commander syllabus, and it's nighttime, and someone makes you do it, and your asses and elbows. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, at that point, you're like, someone's like, cool, we're going to do AFCS off. And you're like, oh cool, kick, kick it off, get the checks for me, let, let's go. Uh, and then the other one, as we went, I think we went and landed at the, um, I was a aircraft commander, about to be an aircraft commander, uh-huh. and it was like, hey, have you ever landed at that hospital pad? Uh, I was like, uh, no. are like, well, we, we need to go do that. Oh, in the middle of
2: San Juan, in the, the, middle need, of San Juan. the needle on the, thing is, needle in the that haystack? Oh my
0: God, it's hard to find. I don't know why it was so hard to find, but, <laughs> Anyone that ever went there did at least four circles with, like, the GPS point. Like, it's there. It's somewhere <laughs> out the right window. Well, you, yeah. you
2: know why I did that, too, was the shame on me. The first time I landed there was the first time I landed there on a medevac. Yeah, and, at night and, in a and, thunderstorm. <laughs> and I was like, I am not doing that guy in the back any favors by not knowing where this place is. Yeah. And I was like, and uh, it's a – it's you know as you as you get into safety you realize there, everything has a system failure aspect to it you know yeah. i didn't hold myself accountable to that you know we weren't scheduling people to do that there's all kinds right. of things but you know if you can try and mitigate the most of it at your end you're yeah. going to be you're going to be in a good spot yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, um, tony thank you i have did you have you got a I have, shot i have okay. one last funny shot.
2: story about the velvet yeah. elvis yeah. Yeah. so it was <laughs> yes. in my it was in my office uh, in Brinkin. and during the first earthquake in Haiti, Hillary Clinton was secretary of state, and she came in. Her and her whole entourage is hanging out in my office in the captain's <laughs> office, and she asked me about the Velvet Elvis. She goes, why is that Velvet Elvis? <laughs> and I told her story, and she loved it. Oh, yeah, that's it really awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I she- think
0: you got mad at us because, like, of course, we hear about this is happening. And so the bullpen's staying late, and we were crushing beers, and we didn't empty our trash cans. So she walks through, and oh, I'm just like all the yes. trash cans are just filled with <laughs> empty medalites. <laughs> lights. Uh,
1: but anyways. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> with that, I mean, I think that's a perfect close right there.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Tony. Thanks for joining us. We yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks,
2: guys. Great, yeah. great. Uh, thanks for walking me through that again. It's it's hard to talk about it, but I appreciate it, because I think yeah. if, I, if that can help somebody
0: that's I'd, good I yeah. it will so yeah thank you honored to have, have you on it's been great catching yeah. up with you Here. enjoy awesome. HAI thanks yep we say goodbye the next-